0: in life. Is I love road trips. You know, a lot of people complain and they say, oh, I, I hate driving five hours or ten hours, or whatever the case is, but I happen to really enjoy that. In fact, give me a full tank of gas and earphones, a cup of coffee and a road, I'm good to go. I love that. And so I often travel with my family, which is such a joy to do that. And we'll go to either Eastern Kentucky or Dallas. Frequently because that's where our extended family is we're glad to have my mother-in-law here today That's really cool and special to have her And so even though we go to the same place and when we go there, it's a leisure trip There's really no hurry to get there. Uh, I have this imaginary game. I play which is this Can I beat my last time? There's this clock that I want to beat every time Even though I really don't have anywhere to be and and I believe it's important that we do observe the the speed limit within 10 miles or so So that's important for everyone's safety. So the issue is not speed. It is efficiency So when my family travels with me, I want us all to be very efficient in how we travel And so one of the rules is I, I try to implement is kids When the gas tank is full, your bladders are empty And when the gas tank is empty, then it's okay for your bladders to be full. So as we approach an exit, you know, we're very strategic. You want to hit the exit where you can gas up the car, let the kids go to the restroom, get a snack, and get back on the road because I'm going to beat three months ago here. I'm going to beat the time. So as we get to the exit, I don't want none of this. Let's put on our shoes once we park the car. Shoes need to be laced up on the exit ramp efficiency we're on vacation for crying out loud people let's get this together so so one of these times i did this and like i said i have my cup of coffee i have my earphones i have the road and beth on the other hand she takes an alternative approach to car time it's it's her opportunity for a nap and somehow she just brings this pile of pillows and blankets. Even if it's 90-something degrees, there's like an afghan and there's all kinds of blankets. And there's the all-important U-pillow. How many know what a U-pillow is? You know, the thing that goes around your head like this. And, and I, I've been threatened with my life if I didn't pack the U-pillow before because this is so important to her. So one particular time, uh, you know, we're, um, we've done one of those efficient stops and we're driving down the road. The kids are watching the DVD back there, and Beth has her u-pillow, and she's napping. I have my cup of coffee and my earphones and the road, and just all is well with life itself. We get 30, 40 minutes down the road, and Beth wakes up, and I'm just speaking to her sweetly. I'm like, how's your nap, honey? How's everything going? And she looks up, and she's not talking to me. So I'm thinking, what have I done to offend her or tick her off that Tends to happen. It's always my it's my fault. I say these dumb things. I'm trying to understand what's happening. She's not responding. For like three minutes, she's just looking. And all of a sudden she says, Aaron, we're going the wrong way. <laughs> For forty five minutes, instead of going westbound on I forty, I'd gone eastbound. And I was so happy that I did not even realize I was passing the same sites over and over and over again and there was no mercy you know beth was merciful but those kids were not i had one of my kids say dad how could you go the wrong way didn't just say it once he said it for hours how could you go the wrong way i mean he's just you know over and over and over again And, and and honestly honestly i was really upset about it because of this need in me to beat my time previously and and I just remember the rest of the trip rehearsing over and over again. How did that happen? I tried to imagine myself. What was I thinking as I left the convenience store? And, and how could I go the wrong way? And justifying it and all that. And so I tell you that story this morning because it's a really safe story because you guys can relate to it uh, and, and it's fun to tell. But the reason I tell it is because that feeling I had is a feeling you've had before too. Where you've thought, how in the world... Did this happen? I mean, I really dealt with that the rest of the trip. I, I was upset about it, and my son kept reminding me of it. How do you do that, Dad? And I'm like, I don't know how I did that. And, and there was just that feeling, and this was something, thank God, it was just very simplistic. There was no, uh, no bad consequences from it. It was just a preference. Uh, but, but that feeling, you've had it too, where you're like, how did this even happen? And see, a lot of times in life, we get in situations, or suffer consequences, or look up one day, and we ask that question on much bigger issues. How did this happen? We begin to get sloppy language. And we begin to talk in a way where five years ago, or five months ago, or even five weeks ago, we never would have used that kind of language. And we think, who is this person saying these things out of my own mouth? How could that happen? Or We realize we have a better spirit people we once loved and once we're in relationship with. We have a level of hatred towards them or bitterness towards them. It's easy to say, how did this happen? How did I get in this situation? Some of us used to be really involved in church and we used to be leading the way and we used to be involved and now church isn't a priority. And we look up one day and we're like, how did this happen? Extramarital affairs. Before we know it, we look up one day and we're entrapped in a relationship that we know is outside of God's will and it's outside of morality and it's outside of our wedding vows. How did we get here? How did this happen? How How did we embezzle these funds from our company? You know, it doesn't happen that one day you decide just to embezzle money. It's just little by little, shortcut after shortcut, skimming a little bit off the top over and over and over again. You don't wake up one day and say, today I'm going to be an alcoholic. Today I'm going to be addicted to prescription drugs. No, it doesn't happen that way. You look up one day and you think, how did I become the person I am today? How did I get in this situation? Well, thank God for everything I just mentioned. There's forgiveness and there's redemption. And there's a God who is here to heal you. And there's a God who cares for you. Even if you've made some really bad mistakes and you're in a situation today, you don't know how you got there. God knows how to get you out of there. But I want to talk to you in the next few weeks about doorways. Because the truth is this, is that things don't just accidentally happen. We don't just look up one day and say, oh, how did this? How did I become this person? Or how did I get in this situation? Things enter into our lives and it starts with the wrong thought or wrong attitude or wrong perception. And as as time unfolds, a wrong desire becomes a sin. The, The book of James is very clear about that. Sin starts with a desire. It starts with a thought. It starts with an attitude. And there's certain ways the enemy wants to infiltrate our lives. And that's what I want you to think about when you see this door behind me. Because we're going to talk about doorways over the next couple of weeks. And I have this door behind me because I want you to think about your life and know that for every, every part of you that's outside of God's will, a thought, an idea that was outside of God's will entered your life somewhere and that has grown. And if you understand that concept, then it's going to make you and I much more careful about what we're letting enter our lives today. Before we talk about today's subject, today I want to talk to you about the doorway of our ears. Before we get into that, I want to remind you of a sermon I preached about a year ago. Because there's something that I want you to keep in your heart when you look at this door. I preached a sermon called, I am the shepherd. And it was Jesus talking about being the shepherd. And Jesus was using an analogy as, He is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And that was very understandable for the people of His day who heard the story. Because in those days... The shepherd would go out, and he would protect the sheep by gathering them and putting them in a in some type of sheep pen. It might be something temporary, like a mud wall that was built. It might be a cave that was found. Whatever it was, there was a way to put all the sheep in one area, and there was one door. No one could, no sheep could escape, and no robber could come into that door. And that door wasn't a natural door like the one you see behind you. That door was the shepherd himself. And so at night, the shepherd would lay across the entryway of the sheep pen. And in order for anyone to enter, they had to pass over the shepherd. And he was there to protect the sheep. So when you see this door here, I want you to think about Jesus. Because... The enemy wants all types of things to enter your life. But Jesus wants to be your good shepherd. He wants to stand at the door. And we'll look at the scripture together in John 10, chapter 20, uh, excuse me, chapter 10, verse 27. Excuse me, verse 7. He says it this way. So Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. Think about that. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. No one can get to my people, but through me, I am the door. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't listen to them. That's the type of relationship Jesus wants to have with you. At the doorway to your heart, everything that enters your life, Jesus wants it to pass through Him. He wants to be the doorway. He wants to be the one who filters everything. But we want to have all these secret doorways and all these secret things in our life. And we want only Jesus to be part of some of those. But I'm going to suggest a different way. In a few minutes we'll be in Galatians chapter 5 if you want to turn there. But ears, let's talk about our ears. We, We live in a world with lots and lots of words. We just are around words all the time. In some ways, it sometimes feels like words don't really matter. I mean, every time I download something on the internet and it has this long list of words and it says, do you agree? I have read all of these. I have never read any of those. Has anyone read any of those? No. And so, on a practical standpoint, all of these disclaimers, when we download stuff, we don't read, but those words matter. I guarantee you they matter if there's an issue with that company. Or, if you've ever bought a home and have taken out a mortgage page after page after page one of the, the most important purchase in our life and the mortgage guys like Well, it says this just the initial to the bottom. Yeah, it says this initial to the bottom it says this initial to the bottom and you're just Signing 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 because there's too many words The words don't mean anything But yet words mean everything And see that's kind of how it is in in our life we hear words, words all the time, all the time. From the moment we wake up, the news is on, the radio's on, the iPod's playing. Words, 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 chatter, 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 talk, talk, talk. And all of a sudden, words don't really seem to mean a whole lot because they're always happening. But the truth is, words mean a whole lot. And I don't want us to be naive to think that all the different words we hear all the time don't affect us. Because even if we're not cognitive of them, or we're not processing them, or we're not meditating on them, when they enter our ears, they do something to our hearts. And they really do make an impression on us. It, it just is like a drip. Over and over, just words. Drip, drip, over and over. If you ever been to Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico, it's, it's one of the, I believe it's one of the seven natural wonders of the world beautiful place beautiful place because they have a lot of stalactites now Mammoth Cave I like that a little better it's bigger and everything but the beauty and majesty of Carlsbad Caverns is the stalactites and what happens is from the limestone there's minerals that come down water really what it is and there's a very slow drip I mean so so slow it it drips down and it forms uh, these stalactites and it's so slow of a drip that this is how fast it grows per year: .005 inches a year. So not five inches a year, not .5 inches a year, which would be half an inch, but .0005, or either two or three zeros, five. Very slow, just just a drip drip. I'm sure it's not even that frequent. But a very slow drip. And, and in our lives, the many, many words that just they just keep bombarding us and they keep entering the doorway of our ears over and over and over again, we don't see how it's affecting us. We don't see what it's building because it's so common and it's so it's so um, harmless. And it just doesn't seem to really make that big of a difference. But it does. It makes a huge difference difference on our hearts words are entering the doorway of our ears over and over again and it's affecting who we are let me suggest i'm gonna suggest a couple of things a couple of wrong messages that are entering the doorway of our ears the first thing i want you to write down is the word culture culture we live i'm not happy to tell you this but i remind this to you occasionally we live in a post-christian america Meaning this, our entertainment, our politics, our cultural ideals does not promote God. And it does not promote Christianity. In fact, for the most part, it's, most of our culture is anti-God and anti-Christianity. And that gives us an incredible opportunity to be light in darkness. It gives us a credible opportunity to shine brighter. But the point I'm trying to make is this is that when we're looking at the doorway of our ears, we have to realize that many, many of the messages that we hear that come through the doorway of our ears directly oppose God's Word. Directly oppose God's ways. And they're coming through the doorway of our ears over and over again. Drip, drip, drip. Just like words that we don't pay any attention to because we think words are meaningless. But they're not meaningless. It affects our hearts. That's why it's so important that the filter over the doorway of our ears is the things of God, the Word of God, the message of Jesus. That we understand that we are not immune. Don't be be naive enough to think just because you've been walking with God a long time or just because you feel like you're morally sound or just because you've made good decisions in your past that you're not affected by the messages of culture. Because you are. Because our culture is completely, completely um, driven by humanism. Meaning this, that man is the measure. Man is the center. So if man says it's okay, it doesn't matter what a higher force thinks. It doesn't matter what God's Word says. It doesn't matter what the Ten Commandments say. Because it's just how you feel. It's man is the measure. Humanism. And so science trumps theology. And so it is that religion is looked as a crutch and not a way of life. And that is so pervasive. It's so part of who we are. We don't even realize how we're affected by it. Messages coming through our ears over and over and over again. And so it is that we don't even realize because sometimes the messages that are against God's Word that are against the message of Christ, come in such entertaining and likable packages that we have no idea what the danger is. And so it is. We, we begin to believe that divorce is okay. Divorce is a viable option. We begin to think that homosexual marriage is, is just an, an, it's acceptable. It's okay for a man and a man to marry, or a woman and a woman to marry. That's completely against God's Word. We begin to think, well, sex outside of marriage is, is permissible. I mean, how can you expect young adults or even adults to to, to control themselves? That's unnatural. That's unnatural. That, that's not even realistic. And so we completely ignore the Word of God that says sex is to be between a married man and a married woman. We completely ignore that. Why? Because of the drip. The doorway of our ears culture has come through our ears, the dory of our ears, and has planted thoughts in our heart and our minds. And we don't even realize it. Now listen, I'm not the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit within you. And He is your teacher. And He is your convictor. And He'll help you make decisions. And to be completely transparent with you, the answer for me has not been to abandon culture altogether. I'm one that enjoys TV, I enjoy movies, I enjoy all types of music. But with God's help and the Holy Spirit's help, I filter the message through His values and what His Word says and what He has to say and find a richness within that. Because if not, if not, we're missing the filter. I have an incredible little girl that's actually in the service right now. She is awesome. And the other day she brought a book to me. She said, Dad, can I buy this book? It was a secular book. And the question was this. I said, before we make a decision whether or not we're going to buy this book, let me ask you a question. Are you reading your Bible every day? And her answer was yes. She is. I'm proud of you, Abby, for doing that. I'm proud of her. But the question is this. You see, first things first. It's about, are we in the Scripture? Are we In church, are we growing spiritually so that everything in our lives that's entering the doorway of our ears is going through the filter of what God has said? That Jesus, the good shepherd, is standing before the door, and He's saying, let me be your protection. He's not here to take away from you. He's here to give you more life, and everyone but Him is a thief and a robber. And they're coming to plant values in you that are not of Him. So I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and start naming things in our culture and, well, you should see this or shouldn't listen to this or this is good or this is bad. Let's just make a list. You have to make that decision. But I'm going to ask you some questions that I believe the Lord, the Lord wants you to, to hear. It says, what messages from culture are entering your ears through the movies you see? What messages from culture Is entering your ears, the doorway of your ears, through your TV shows. What message from culture is entering through the doorway of your ears, through your music, through your reading, through the people who teach you, through the people who inspire you, through the closest friends that you spend leisure time? What message is coming through the doorway of your ears? You see, I just want you to pray about that. I want you to ask God about that. I told you earlier to turn to Galatians chapter 4 because there's an incredible scripture here. And the context of this, excuse me, Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. The context of this, Paul is writing to the church who was affected by false doctrine. But I want us to look at this on a broader scale in relationship to our culture. Even though I'm I'm acknowledging that the, the context of this was false doctrine, but I think it certainly applies to culture also. And he said this in Galatians 5, 7, You were running well. Who prevented you from obeying the truth? Now look at verse 8. This persuasion did not come from him who called you. Verse 9, A little yeast leavens the whole lump of dough. Go back to verse 8 again. Think about this. This kind of persuasion, there was obviously messages of false doctrine that were passing through the doorway of people's ears. And he said, listen, you were running a good race. You're doing so good. And then somebody came through the doorway of your ears and gave you false doctrine. And I just want to say to us as believers here in America, many of us are running a good, running a good race and then culture has come in. And the messages that are anti-God and anti-Christianity is persuaded us to believe things we wouldn't have believed ten years ago. And to act in ways we wouldn't have acted 15 years ago or 15 months ago or 10 weeks ago. That kind of persuasion doesn't come from the one who called you. Now, when I'm preaching to a lot of Christians, which I'm pretty sure a lot of you are Christians, it's always kind of fun to preach against culture, you know? Oh, Hollywood is so bad and culture is so bad and those people out there are so bad. And then we forget to look right here. Because through the filter of our ears, there's an equally damaging message than the message that comes from culture. And I want you to write this word down. Slander. Slander. Because you may have, you may have some discipline in your life and you're not listening to messages that are overtly anti-God and anti-Christian. But in Christianity, we developed a habit of talking about things and talking about people and being negative and being critical, and that has become an acceptable sin among some Christian circles. And so, we had no idea sometimes that our very Christian friends, our very people we might go to church to, that are operating not in the power of the Holy Spirit, but are speaking. Slander, unwarranted criticism, that they are gossips, they're negative. Those things are coming through the doorway of our ears. And it affects who we are. It affects who we are. I want you to write the scripture down for the sake of time. We're not going to read it today. But James chapter 3, verse 9 through 12. It's an incredible scripture that's calling Christians... Not to praise God and then curse man. But calling for us to have wholeness in the way we speak and the way we act. In the last few weeks, we had a, a friend drop by the church office that most that all the staff, we all knew him. And we begin to talk about some national personalities you may or may not know, but totally disconnected from this area, but they're Religious leaders in the national realm. And my friend who dropped by got to be pretty negative about those, those individuals. The next day I got an email from him I want to read to you. He says, this, I want to write you all an apology email. After I left our meeting yesterday, I realized I had been pretty cynical and judgmental towards the people we had talked about. This is something God has been working on me. And I let it get the best of me yesterday. I do not know these people personally, and I do not know their hearts. I judge them based on what I knew and not on who they really are. Pray for me that God could heal me of my cynicism and judgmental heart over those who see things different than me. I thought that was a really mature email coming from somebody who understands that that what he did and what he participated in was not of God and not of Christ. So I read that email and I prayed for him. Then I prayed for myself. Because I could have written that same email many, many times probably in the last month. Because the point is this. Is that we don't even realize that The negativity and the slander and the cynicism that as Christians we participate in together is passing through the doorway of our ears. And it truly does impact us. It truly does impact our lives. Here's the last thing I want you to write down. The last word. Memories. This word surprised me as I was preparing for this message and praying. I didn't expect to talk about this. But for some of you, words have passed to the doorway of your ears that were spoken a long time ago. And they've affected your heart. And they've affected who you are. And they've affected you. And these words, there's a phrase, there's a name, that it's like stuck on replay in your heart. And at very inopportune times, you remember what someone spoke about you. You remember what you were called. You remember how people, what, what somebody significant said about you. It might have been a parent. It might have been a teacher, a coach, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin. It doesn't matter who, who it might have been. A friend, a colleague, a coworker, a boss. But they said something about you that passed through the doorway of your ears and you've never been able to shake it. And it just replays over and over and over again. Can I tell you today that God is here to say there's deliverance from that and there's change from that. I want Beth to join me up here. I want to ask at this time, I want us to all stand together, uh, stand let's all stand together in response to this. I know the Lord is working on us right now. And at this time, if you're going to if you're gonna be baptized